Thank you for joining us for After the Message. To learn more about Celebration Church here in Orlando, you can follow us on social media under the handle at CelebrationORL or visit our website at CelebrationORL.org. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what happens when After the Message and Equip collide. Yes. We get After the Series... I don't know. I just made that up. Anyways, no, that's that. that you could like be that a thing. after the series? That could be a thing. All right, like well, you're, you're you're gifted. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Celebration Church Orlando podcast, the Celebration Church Orlando YouTube page. Uh, yes. We are, for context's sake, coming out of a series called Deconstructed. Yes, and uh, as part of that series, we're going to have a two-part um, equip podcast. Yeah. Um, answering some questions that uh, people from our church have submitted, mm-hmm. um, maybe some tough questions, some questions that um, they would like to get our lead pastor, Pastor Keith Pittman's insight on. I'm sorry. I thought I was interviewing you and you were providing the answers. We can do that. <laughs> this will be very short and it'll be one part, but we can do that. <laughs> um, talk about the series a little bit. Like, How was it for you and uh. now that we're on the other side of it and getting ready to answer some of these questions. Man, um it's it's been amazing. I've 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 loved it every every step of the way cuz I mean it's it allows us to to tackle these weighty topics that I feel like are super important. Um but man, it 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 took a toll. Hmm. Like just the weight of kind of entering into this space and really really wrestling and grappling um these weighty subjects and, and, and trying to present in, in a way that, that honors people, but puts God at the forefront, but doesn't like put a biblical bandaid on things. So, um, I always will believe in the power of God. I will always have a hope filled perspective, but this, this series allowed us to presence the pain a lot more. And, um, but I've been inspired by seeing the response from it. So yeah. I, I think as a pastor, specifically in in our current context in our modern day we we think that people can't handle these things and so it's just been eye-opening that as we're like oh should we talk about it should we say that Mm -hmm. we're actually seeing more people respond like yes please let's talk about it because we're so tired of the the bible band-aids the quick fixes the one-liners the three points that um i think people want things that's going to allow them to have a thicker um belief in god based off of a real um a thicker gospel that can handle the weight of our questions yeah and and that's kind of been the feedback that i've got even was gratitude from 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 our congregation just like uh thanking us for for being able to to have these conversations in the context of a church setting so uh, it's been good. Um, you want to jump right in? Let's do it, man. All right, cool. Let's jump in, man. Both feet. So, so the w- <laughs> the first question is: What books or authors or resources would you recommend to dive deeper into the topics that we've covered in our deconstructed series? So, I, I would. I don't have a ton of different books. Um, I, I, you know, for me, the subject matter spoke to itself, spoke for itself, and then having an opportunity to to talk to friends and family members who are walking through deconstruction. So what inspired me to, to really want to like delve into it after knowing the reality of people was really just reading the after doubt book by um, Dr. AJ Swoboda, which we had on after the message, which you did a phenomenal job of interviewing. So I do think reading that book, if anyone hasn't had an opportunity to get Mm -hmm. it and read that, um, I think it does a phenomenal job at going even deeper and expounding on things that we didn't even touch on. So that's a good one. But another one that I wrote down is similar. It's called Faith After Doubt, and it's written by a, a gentleman named David um, McLaren. And it seems as if all, a lot of his writings deal with 
doubt and and pain and suffering and mm-hmm. trying to understand Jesus in the midst of all of that stuff. So um, I haven't read all of his stuff, but I glimpsed at some of it. And I found that his writing seemed to be speaking towards that stuff as well. So I think it could be really cool if people wanted to expound on it more that those are probably two authors and um, books that I would recommend. You mind if I throw one out there? Yeah, please. The Reason for God by Timothy Keller Yes, um, is a really good book. And, it, and it, it, he attempts to answer a lot of those questions. Like, okay. Why does God cause suffering? Like, yep. Why are there bad things that uh, happen to good people? So I think that's a good one too. Yep. And I also think just sometimes our doubt can come from a lack of um, understanding mm-hmm. or even knowledge. And so, you know, even um, like the Bible project, yes. like just learning more about scripture and its original context and stuff Absolutely. can actually help us along our faith journey. So. Absolutely. I agree with that a hundred percent. So, um, so I would say this, um, I'm not sure if you ever heard of this guy, Timothy Keller. Yeah. He has a phenomenal yeah, book that I think we should definitely check out. Cool. And then the Bible Project. So, um. <laughs> uh, question number two. Um, so what are some practical uh, coping mechanisms that are scripturally sound for dealing with disappointment uh, and suffering? Uh, this person says that they're used to uh, using unhealthy coping mechanisms that are sinful because they soothe the flesh. But but what are what's a practical way for them to do that in, in a healthy biblical manner? Man, I think um, there's there's a couple of things. So as we talk about everything that we're going to talk about over the next two sessions, you know, for, for me, I want to be. You know, there, there's a there's a thing of saying, OK, like question and answer. Yeah. So so for me, here's here's my response to this. And I'm going to say this to the camera. Um, I'm going to give you a biblical answer, but I'm going to give you a pastoral response. OK, so there are going to be some things that I will give you what the Bible says, but then just try my best to 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 give context as as I know through experience. And so the biblical answer um is, is, is found in scripture. So I'll reference uh, Galatians chapter number five and, and verses 16 through 27 kind of basically presents this tension of walking in the flesh versus walking in the spirit, okay. that tension that it creates. And so one, I think it's being aware. And so I, I certainly commend that individual being aware of, hey, my coping mechanisms are things that aren't healthy. There are things that aren't good for me. It's something that I retreat to. So I, I know for, for me, the word of God was crucial um, with even changing my behavior. And I know that seems like an oversimplification to say like, man, I'm struggling with this. What should I do? Read the Bible. Like, like I, yeah. I get it. Um, but honestly, when the Bible speaks about the renewing of our minds, like really, really immersing ourselves in scripture, I can only speak from my own experience. It really does work. It yeah. really does help you to rethink things. Even seeing where scripture says flee um, from the lust of the flesh, flee from the, like those are things that are important. But practically speaking, I'd also would say um, being aware of your triggers, mm. um, just being aware of those things. And so a lot of times there's, there's that moment where we kind of cross that threshold where we, we realize that we're vulnerable. So, so for me, I think being self-aware is super important. Um, I, I, I use this example and it's, it's, it's an extreme one, but nonetheless, I'll still use it. Like if you know that you struggle with alcoholism, don't go to a bar. Mm-hmm. Like, and those are things that you have control over. So for me, don't put yourself in the area of your weakness and then expect God's strength to kind of help you to overcome it. So I think beginning to put boundaries in your life before the, the accessibility of sin is so important because if you're trying to establish the boundary while you're weak, while you're tired, while you're exhausted, 
man, just real talk, man, you, you probably have already lost a battle. Mm-hmm. So putting some things in place beforehand, it's like putting the alarm system in before you get robbed, <laughs> like doing those things on the front. And I think are things that can really um, help us with that. So being very aware of, of what are some of your triggers? Is it a stressful day at work? Is like, what are those things? Mm-hmm. And then trying to make sure you put healthy boundaries in place to prevent yourself from leaning towards those coping mechanisms when those moments happen and having accountability and community. I think that's the other thing. So triggers and having accountability and community is, is vital. That's what's helped me um, through my years of walking with God and still does. Yeah. And we would hope that um, people would feel like this is a place where they can let us know about it. You know what yeah, I mean? And a absolutely. way for us to, to come alongside them. We obviously have here at Salt Rich and Church Orlando, a, uh, a great care team who mm-hmm. is, you know, they've been around the block. They've yes. seen some things that, you know, they know how to help. So uh, I think being able to reach out uh, is also a, a key component, like you mentioned, with accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, something we talk about uh, on after the message quite a bit is uh, interacting with God and, and what happens when we don't feel like we're hearing anything mm-hmm. back. And so uh, that was obviously one of the questions that came up here is what do we what do we do when we feel like God's silent? What do we do when we feel like we're kind of doing all the talking and we're not really getting a response? Man, um, so there's there's a couple of responses to that. So um, first one would be, what what was the last thing that he said? Um, so 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 what I mean by that is, um, what what was the last time you felt like you heard from God? When was the last time you really felt like you got clarity? Um, direction, that sense of like, man, I feel like I've heard from God. Mm -hmm. So what I often do is I revisit that because I think what can happen a lot of times is um, we hear God, we've heard from God, and it could be for something as big as a, should I get married? Should I not get married? Should I move? Should I not move? Should I take this job? So we seek God, we get some sense of clarity around that. Um, Then there's other moments where where God kind of tells us something. And that could be happening when we're reading his word that can happen in a service that can happen through community where you feel like, man, I f- OK, I feel like that's God. And then we have those other spaces that you're talking about when we feel like God is silent. For me, more often than not, when God is silent, it's because I've moved from the place that he is speaking in. Mm. So I will find myself saying, OK, like I haven't felt like I've heard from God in a while or I'm not getting a response from this. What is the last thing he said? And am I still in the place where I can hear his voice? Or am I being obedient to the last thing he told me to do? Mm-hmm. Um, many times we'll, we'll, we'll drift from the assignment or drift from our obedience, but still want to hear something new. When God's saying, I'm still speaking, I'm still saying the same thing, but I need you to follow through on what I said the last time, if you want to hear what I want to say um, the next time. So that's the, the first thing. The, the second thing, man, I, I think it's um, giving God the benefit of the doubt. That sounds super, um, I, know, I know that can sound like so surface level, but... Um, silence doesn't mean absence. So, um, a lot of times what I see in scripture is that when God is silent, a lot of times it's when he's doing some deep work. So, so there's a couple of moments in scripture where, where, where God is silent. The first that I'll reference is, um, what we refer to as the intertestamental period. It's the 400 years between the conclusion of what we know as the old Testament and the arrival of John the Baptist. So if you can imagine, like they were used to prophets coming and kind of sharing an updated 
word from the Lord because they didn't have scripture as we have it. Like they had some books of the law and other things, but they're living the Bible that we're reading now. So they really relied on prophets to update them on what God was speaking to the community. So they went 400 years where they weren't, they didn't have any of that, where Mm -hmm. God was like, okay, it's silent. But in that 400 years, not only was there um, the arrival of uh, varying governments, which proves to be the Roman government, which God really used to kind of bring Jesus in, everything that kind of brought about redemption. So God was working on that. Um, John the Baptist is being established. So there's a lot of work that's happening behind the scenes so that when God does speak, it's the catalyst for redemption. So that's a, a, a great example. Also, even in the book of Revelation, and I love this, Revelation 8 talks about um, there's this moment where, of course, like this is like the conclusion of the book. This is where the all the work that we've done, Revelation is wrapping it all up. It's all good news. But there's a space where it says that there was a silence in heaven for about 30 minutes. Mm. So, so for me, and I, I probably would preach on this at another time, um, but like when heaven is silent, like silence in heaven means that heaven is a loud place. It's full of worship. All these things are going on. Like so, so heaven is a place filled with joy and all these things. But then the seal is cracked and heaven goes silent. I can't imagine how awkward that must have been for angels. <laughs> They'd be like for 30 whole minutes. Yeah. So imagine in eternity, time is created for the space just to say, I want everything to be silent. But what's happening in that moment is that the prayers of people are being ushered into the presence of God. And then ultimately the lamb is then given the scroll, which is Jesus. And then the final redemptive plan is rolled out. And then all of eternity ushers us. And it's a beautiful thing, but heaven was silent. Yeah. So what I have found in my own life, when I've evaluated, am I in the place where God last spoke? Um, Am I doing the thing that God last told me to do? That silence is the symphony of salvation that God is doing something in that silence and I'm expecting a major breakthrough to come on the other side. Mm. So what do I do? I wait on the Lord. Mm. Yeah. And that waiting on the Lord obviously requires, um, a a relationship and, and to know, uh, it's like, you know, it's like with your spouse or anybody else that you're close to, you start to pick up on the rhythms of of things. Right. And so like, okay, God's going quiet on me now, yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. not like you're thrilled about it or even getting used to it, but it's almost acknowledging the fact that, yeah, mm-hmm. there goes God being quiet on me. Yeah, but, um, he's doing speak, his thing. Speaking <laughs> of uh, relationship with God, somebody wanted to know, do people from other religions ever get saved? And before you answer Man. this question, um, Lindsay, how, are we looking on time? Our timer went off here. We're looking good? Okay, awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but do people from other religions ever get saved? Man. So this is going to be uh, an example of me providing a biblical um, answer and then hopefully a, a pastoral response. So so here's, here's how I'll preference this, and I'm, I'm trying to find this passage of Scripture that I think um, hopefully can— and, pull it all together that helps us to uh to have a a healthy view of it so here's here's what we have to remember um every belief system virtually every belief system maybe with the exception of universalism um does believe that they hold the truth Mm. so christianity is not unique in believing that we hold the truth sometimes we kind of get vilified for it but every belief system essentially believes that they hold the truth um so, so what happens to people of other religions? I think the, 
the book of Exodus is a beautiful, powerful narrative of, of, of what it is that God's inviting us to be a part of and the consequence of not being a part of it. And it's a choice. So, so I'll answer the question by kind of giving us the, the short version of it. So Passover was such a big deal because what it says is that um, I'm going to come through and wherever I see the blood, I'm going to pass over and not exhibit my judgment yeah. on it. So what they had to do is they had to get a blood of a lamb applied to the doorpost. And when judgment was coming by, as long as it saw the blood of the lamb and you were on the inside of the home, you weren't in fear of judgment. And what I think is so important about that is it says that even if there are foreigners among you, as long as they mm-hmm. are in the home with you covered under the blood, then there's no judgment that's going to come. So now let's fast forward to when John the Baptist sees Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God who's coming to take away the sins of the world. So now John sees Jesus as the Lamb to take away the sins of the world. And that same principle still applies to this day, that, that God is a God of justice. So even though we live in grace and in all the beautiful things that we see with God, even in, in Exodus 34 and what we see exhibited in God's character and even how he defines himself, that he is a God of justice. And justice does not exist without judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, so what judgment is, is he comes to judge the world for sin. So that's why it gives us hope that even though we live in a fallen and broken world, that God is going to come and judge and set things right. Vengeance is mine, it says the Lord. So for people of different belief systems, what happens is, is when God's judgment, when God's justice shows up, if we are not covered by the blood of the lamb, then our sin goes before us. Right now, when, when God sees us, all he sees is the blood of the lamb and his judgment passes over us. So people of different religions, or people who are just indifferent to God. Right. I don't want to vilify one group of people versus another. Sure. Anyone who's not covered by the blood of the lamb, unfortunately, will stand before God with their sin going before them, and, and the consequence will be judgment. Yeah. And when you say covered un- under the blood of the lamb, what what role does man play in that versus what role? Is, is it a two-way street? Is it... God, I've heard it said that, you know, God goes 90% and you go 10. Like, what's your viewpoint on, on that? Yeah. So those are, those are like, there's books and yeah. things written on, on that, um, on what salvation looks yeah. like. So, so my, my, my view on it is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, um, this is the open invitation to whosoever that anyone who accepts this mm. is now part of the family of God. So so my view of, of salvation as it relates to the part that we play is that it has been extended. The yep. part that I play is to receive it. Yep. And so it's no different than super corny example, but I'll use it anyway, is um, you're a wide receiver, Nate. Yep. I'm, I'm the quarterback, man. You do a move. You don't even have you 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 don't have anybody on you, bro. You're wide open. You're in the you're in the end zone, just waiting. I throw the ball. It's easy. You're in the touchdown. There's yeah. no one covering you. You still got to reach out, right? Catch it and secure the ball. Yeah. God has made salvation so available to us, but we still have to reach out and receive it. Yeah, that's good. And I was a wide receiver. By Were the you way. really? Yeah. So <laughs> I knew that the spirit of the Lord stirred <laughs> me and revealed that to me. <laughs> um, so I think for for part one, we'll we'll ask the follow up question to to do people from other religions get saved, and, and they're getting saved from 
death, right? They're getting saved from themselves. And, and, but one, one person asks, what really happens to us when we die? Hmm. You know, so what do you think is on the other side, so to speak? Man, so, um, so, so Second Corinthians chapter five in its entirety, um, I think is a, is a beautiful example of, Paul giving us a sense of what happens when we die. One of the passages I'll pull out is in verse 8, where it says, um, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So Paul kind of paints this picture of, yeah, like when we when we die, we're in the presence of God. So another thing that Paul says is that we don't grieve like those who don't have hope. We know that mm. that when we we die, that we're in the presence of God. Right. Uh, another thing that we, that we see as an example is that when Stephen, um, the first martyr, um, is being stoned. Um, he says that he looks up into heaven, he sees Jesus, and he sees him standing on the right hand of the Father, and then he says these words, Lord, receive my spirit. Mm. Jesus, when he's on the cross, before he breathes his last breath, he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So what we're seeing are these examples scripturally of saying that um, these earthly tabernacles, as Paul describes in um, 2 Corinthians 5, are temporary, mm. um, that our true home is in the presence of God. So um, as I've heard it described and as people have tabulated and pulled varying scriptures together, and I'll summarize it to the best of my ability, is that um, we are eternal beings. Mm. We are giving a temporary house, being our bodies, um, and when we die, we return back to our true home with the expectation that at the great resurrection, when when all things are set back to the way that God intended um, back in Genesis, that we will have resurrected bodies and and everything will be good. I'll finally have my spiritual six pack. Like, it'll be amazing. Like, so we'll have that. Um, but what we believe is that when we breathe our last breath, that we are ushered into the presence of God. Now, um, what are we doing? I, I don't know. Mm. Um, but what I've, what I've seen described in scripture is that we're in a restful state in the presence of God. Mm. Um, that's a beautiful thing. Now, there's extra biblical literature that talks about a whole bunch of other things and people who've experienced near-death experiences that have been consistent. I, I can't speak to that because my standard is God's word. But what I can tell you God's word can, explains to us is that the moment that we breathe our last breath and those of us who are in Christ, that we are ushered into the presence of God where we will spend our time with him until... He comes back, and that's when we start talking about the second coming of Christ. We come back, those who still are alive are transfigured. We get our resurrected bodies, and then we have a party for all eternity. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Yeah, man, I'm all for it. All right, so... um <laughs> That was, that was the easy stuff. You're warmed up. You're ready to go. Man, I thought that was the difficult stuff, man. Like, <laughs> um, So we're actually going to uh, we're gonna conclude there for part one of our uh, equip uh, uh, video series. After yeah. the series is what, what we said. But, I thought uh, it was like, uh, like after the message after dark. Yeah. Well, it could be that too, <laughs> but we're going to conclude there for part one. And uh, we hope you guys join us for part two next week. Thank you for joining us for After the Message. To learn more about Celebration Church here in Orlando, you can follow us on social media under the handle at CelebrationORL or visit our website at celebrationorl.org.